All right, so we're back in the book of Job, and uh, this time uh, we're actually, uh, we've, we've fast-forwarded a little bit, okay, uh, and uh, we're in chapters 38 to the very beginning of chapter 40, and let me just kind of tell you a little bit about what's happened uh, in between. So from the beginning when these uh, speeches, if you will, started with his friends, there, there now have been three cycles of speeches with Job and his friends, and Job responding, and then one of his friends, Elihu, uh, has spoken right before these these chapters that we're going to cover today. But mostly they're saying the same thing in different ways, like I said to you before, and that is that certainly, Job, you must have done something wrong to deserve this. And they didn't have a category uh, in their minds of, of thinking out that there is some kind of suffering that didn't have something that deserved it, uh, if that makes sense. They just didn't, couldn't think in that way. And so uh, here we are in Job 38, and we, we get God's first words to Job. We haven't heard from God in all of the times that uh, Job has given his, uh, it, it cried out to God or spoken to his friends about how he, he does, he, I mean, on the one hand, he knows, he knows God is good and just, but he doesn't feel like he's being dealt with justly. So there's this, this conflict going on, as any of us probably would experience if we were experiencing great suffering and really not knowing you know, the answer to the why. Why is that happening? And so um, he's questioning God all through, and Job's just trying to wrestle with, why would this be happening? You know, uh, and, and another way you could put it is that Maybe he feels like something isn't working right in the world, that maybe something's broken, uh, you know, that God's not, things aren't working the way God wants them to work, might be another way to put it. But at any rate, he feels unjustly uh, dealt with, and he's asking lots of questions to God and wrestling with this. Um, and so in these first words, uh, that we get from God, what I want to do is I'm going to basically, you're going to read the first um, uh, 10 or 11 verses here in chapter 38 and, and just mention some things about that. Uh, let's just get right into it. Job 38 verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who, and he says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone? As the morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb, and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? For I locked it behind barred gates and limiting its shores. And I said, this far and no farther will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. And so there we have uh, Job, uh, just just some of these uh, questions that God is just coming at Job with, and he's really starting these questions, asking about things relation, in relationship to creation, right? And so and some of the other questions that we get in Job um, 38, 
are in verse 12 where he says, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Now, these are rhetorical questions, right? When you realize the answer to every one of these questions, no, I wasn't there, God. No, I can't do that, right? And, and he goes on, he says, have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Uh, verse 17, do you know where the gates of death are located? Uh, and he says, have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. And then verse 19, where does light come from? And where does the darkness go? I mean, just all these like difficult, some impossible questions for us as humans to answer. Now, you know, science would have some answers uh, now for some of these things, but like, like to understand the, the laws of, of physics and how, you know, like uh, how light works, some of how light works. But still, even beyond that, we don't know all the answers, right? We have an explanation of how things seem to work. But he's just, he's just simply going on to say, have, verse 22, have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? And then uh, he says, I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Verse 25, who created a channel for the torrents of rain? And, you know, he's just, he's just explaining all of these parts of creation and how God's world runs, right? Between, between the water and the seas and also the dimensions of things, right? How deep is the ocean and, right, what are the dimensions of the earth? And so he's just asking all these questions of Job. He says, can you direct the, the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of Pleiades and loose, loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons? No, he can't. But who can? God can, right? And this is, this is part of his point. You're asking me all these questions about why this is happening to you, but let's put some things in perspective. Right, and and uh, you know, as the New Living Translation puts it, you know, I've got some questions for you, and almost like a a good teacher, uh, an incredible, the best teacher, God's asking questions to get him to be thinking something. He wants him to learn something here that maybe he couldn't learn any other way, right? And so he's asking him these questions that get him to realize that. He's not as wise as he thought he was, right? Uh, he had some things that were right, but he also was accusing God of some things that were not right. And so he's just asking question after question. And so that's what we get in verse 38. It's kind of like God asking question, him questions of creation and getting him to think about the awesomeness of God, right? How he's created all this, how it all works. Right, how it all works and how, how God created it so that it would just, you know, carry on like this. Like the whole, um, I, I wish uh, we had our science teacher in there. Is it all the hydrologic cycle, right, with the rain and going down and evaporating, going up, back in the car? I mean, who could have thought of that, right? Um, just incredible, incredible. And so... Uh, then in verse in chapter thirty nine, though, so that was chapter thirty eight, going all over these questions about aspects of creation. 
Then in chapter 39, God questions Job regarding the world in which he lives. So it's not so much all the stuff that's happening up there or way down in the oceans. It's like on the land where he lives. All right? Uh, and so, so let me just, uh, I'm just going to read a portion of this and then I'll comment on some other ones. So in, starting in verse 26, just uh, he, hits, he hits on this. He says in, uh, so this is Job 39, 26. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar? and spread its wings toward the south? Is it at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making its home on a distant rocky crag. From there it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its young gulp down blood where there's a carcass. There you'll find it. And so we just have these examples in that that little uh, bit that I just read for you in Job 39, verses 26 to 30, is, is, is talking about the, the eagle and the hawk, right? But it also speaks of all kinds of other animals uh, in which we, we, um, we are just in amazement of. How about the ostrich? Who could create that? <laughs> I mean, you know, you just, you just look at that. He says, the ostrich flaps her wings gladly, but they're... No match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warmed in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. And so it just, you know, it's just talking about, again, more of God's creation, but down here on the earth where, where Job is living, and, uh, you know, it starts off talking about um, wild goats, right, in chapter 39, and, and then wild donkeys and the wild ox, and it just, you know, just saying, like, isn't it amazing? And and some of you, any of you here like to watch, like, the the nature documentaries or whatever? Yeah. It's really kind of cool. You're just Because you look at that, and you're just like, God is amazing, right? How these animals, he created these animals and how they live and survive, and He God provides for them, and just amazing, right? And those sea creatures that live way down at the bottom of the sea, I mean, just just crazy. And so we're, we, we, he's just trying to give Job this, this sense of his awesomeness and his power. And uh, when I say that awesomeness, I'm not, I don't think I'm overusing it in the context that we talk about God, right? Um, one day, Lord willing, I hope to make it to the Grand Canyon. Because, and I just know I'm going to be in awe. Something that huge uh, and me just so little compared to it, just be in awe of how God could create uh, it, it, just that. I mean, it just amazes me. And so here we have uh, Job just, you know, hearing, again, uh, all of these questions and all of these explanations of God's creation. And so that just kind of leads us to this, you know, because, you know, Job's been asking, why? Why would this be happening to me? I don't deserve this. Why, why, why? Have you heard God answer a why question yet? No, God's not answering this question. He's kind of answering that question by looking at some other things, okay? And I, I think it's, it's important for us to observe this because God doesn't always answer your why, okay? But he's wanting you to get to look at him. And, uh, and so as, let's, let's try to look at what is God doing here in these two chapters? What is he doing? And and uh, a couple of thoughts here. One is, uh, first of all, remember God's breaking his silence, if you will. Uh, 
we've, we've read through a lot of dialogue, lots of these, uh, there's been cycles of speech in between. And so by breaking God's silence, he's graciously and indirectly is telling Job, I'm here, I never left. In other words, you know, there may be times when you don't sense my presence, but that doesn't mean I'm not there, okay? Uh, there may be difficult and dark times in your life, but I'm there. I hear every cry. I've heard all the discussions between you and your friends. Um, it's not like I'm not around. And so, uh, and, and I say that it, God, God graciously does this because God didn't have to. <laughs> God didn't owe Job an explanation of anything. He didn't owe him to speak at all, right? Because God is God. Right? You take a look here. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, and it, and it says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And these are God's words to his people back in the Old Testament, but they're God's words to us too, that as believers, right, um, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so, and there's that sense where he's always with us, right? His presence goes with us in his spirit, right? And in, even in Hebrews, it says the same thing. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so, at the very least, you know, we, he can see that, oh, God, he speaks. He, he, he's knows, he does know what's going on. He hears. And, and by God's grace, many times as we're going through things, very difficult things, whether it be suffering, trials, whatever they may be, we get, uh, maybe we're, we're in our quiet time with God and he gives us just that right verse at just the right time, right? Or a friend of yours who's a believer might text you something, a scripture that you just needed and it's really like God sending it to you through somebody else, right? And God does that. He does speak to us in encouraging words in those ways to help us through those difficult times. And so just be aware of that, right? Just know that fact that God, uh, for the believer, he never leaves us. He will never forsake us, regardless of what our senses tell us, okay? Because uh, Job hasn't felt necessarily the presence of God. He, he has, feels an absence, right? And a silence, really. Uh, but God spoke graciously and gave him uh, this this word. And, and so, now the other thing, which I think is really probably the main thing uh, that we can learn from these two chapters, is that God is showing Job that he's all wise. Job's finite mind cannot comprehend the bigger picture of God's purposes. And that's a word for all of us, Right? So much of what we just saw in, in these smattering of these verses in Job 38 and 39 is like, I've done all that. You, you know, I, can certainly, I certainly know what's going on in your life, Job, and I have a purpose for all of that. I had a purpose for all my creation. I maintained the creation. I, you know, and, and we know in Colossians, right, doesn't it tell us that Jesus holds the world together, right? <laughs> Colossians 1.17, I think it is. And so just, you know, it's like he's trying to tell him, listen, I'm, I know what I'm doing. It may appear that my world is uh, in chaos right now in your life, but believe me, Job, I've got it all under control, and there's a purpose 
going on. There's a bigger picture. And that's really hard, isn't it? It's hard for us to kind of like, I mean, we can get it up here. We can know that, that there's a bigger picture. But when you're in the middle of the suffering, it's hard to kind of like swallow that sometimes, that you could see that that hurt that I'm experiencing right now could actually be part of something better. Um, but, but God does do that, right? And we have, to, we have to trust him. We have to trust him in all of that. And um, there's a, a couple of verses that remind us of this truth, that there's a bigger picture and that our finite minds, as smart and wise as we think we are in this age, cannot comprehend everything that God is doing. Okay? That's a tough pill to swallow for many today. But uh, in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, and that's, that's, those two verses um, tell us about the nature of God, Right? He's infinitely wiser than we are, uh, and he's just, no matter sometimes how we try to reason it out, and there's nothing wrong with us trying to use rational reasoning. God gave us that ability, right? Even how we put sentences and paragraphs together on a paper uh, tells us, and that's how God communicated with us, tells us that God is cool with rational thought, right? Uh, but... The thing is, there are just some things we're just not going to understand. There's just some things that have no uh, explanation that we could ever get. And so that's, that takes some humility on our part, right? That, gosh, we just don't have all the answers. We just don't have all the answers. Um, now, I uh, want to read something to you that um, I got off of the Bible Project website that it was worth repeating, I think. It gives a, a little bit of an illustration about this, uh, uh, this concept of, of God showing Job that he's all wise and that he's got a purpose here. Um, and I'll just, I'm just going to quote it here. This is, again, from the Bible Project um, website. It says, God's perspective is infinitely broader, which means he may allow or orchestrate events that from one perspective look morally suspicious or just plain wrong. However, from a wider perspective, those same events look entirely different. Now listen to the illustration that explains it. It says, it's similar to a child observing their parent throw a chair at a window to shatter it. Can you imagine if your kid saw you just throw a chair through a window? They'd be looking at, first of all, why are you doing that? And like, you told me I can't do that. You know, right? And so, so it's, it's, they're, they're starting this illustration with it's similar to a parent throwing a chair at a window to shatter it. From a six-year-old's point of view, this is precisely the kind of behavior that would earn a timeout or grounding or worse. But if the parent knows there's smoke coming from the adjacent room and that this window was the only way out, all of a sudden the broken window becomes the life-saving escape route. The parent has a wider range of available information that makes the same action, throwing a chair out the window, become the morally necessary thing to do. 
And then they go on here. Uh, it says, this seems to be the point of God's first speech. There may be evil and suffering in God's good world that from one perspective may seem needless, tragic, and unjust, but from a wider vantage point, there may be a vast network of factors that make the same tragedy fit into a larger pattern that brings about the saving of many lives. We just don't know. Our brains just can't comprehend how that could be, but we have to trust that that's how God is. Right? No matter how much pain we might experience and suffering, knowing that there's a purpose in it, even though we don't, Job didn't get the answer, like why? He didn't let him in on like there was this discussion going on up in heaven in chapters 1 and 2. He didn't tell him anything about that. And so um, this is a good word, I think, from the Lord for us for Job 38 and 39. And it just reminds me of the truth that says in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, and I've only got verse 7 here on the screen, but I'm going to read 6 and 7, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 says, So uh, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And so this is Paul kind of talking about this wrestling that he has in his heart that, you know, he knows that he, if he dies, he'll go to be with the Lord, right? But if he stays on, it'll be more benefit for the people there he can minister to. And so he says in verse 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And um, this is really what God's asking uh, Job to do. He's saying, you just got to walk by faith, Job. You got to trust me that I'm good. You got to trust me that there's a purpose that you can't understand. Okay? And I really think that's what God's word is for us today, is that as we look at those chapters and God's first response, he shows them all these things in creation and uh, in the heavens and in the oceans and in the animals that are running around showing God's incredible power and his wisdom to be able to create those things. He's saying, listen, you just got to realize that if I can control all of that, then this hasn't slipped past me. I know exactly what I'm doing. Walk by faith, not by sight. Um, now, uh, the first five verses in chapter 40 give us Job's response, and I, I totally get his response. Um, I think it would probably be any one of ours' response. So Job 40, 40, verses 1 to 5 says, Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You know, the answer is no. Okay, that's, that's the correct answer. No. <laughs> you are God's critic, but do you have the answers? And he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Here's Job's reply. He says, then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. And that's, you know, I think if we heard the voice of the Lord speak to us like he did to Job, we would be undone, right? And so Job begins to bow himself down. Job begins to bow himself down before the greatness of God. That's what he's doing, okay? And there's more to come. We're not quite done yet, but, but in this first 
this first uh, time God speaks to Job, this is what we this is what we get. He's like, there's a bigger picture. You need to walk by faith. And and Job just knows there's nothing more he can say or question God about when he has the proper perspective. Right? And um and that takes the power of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? For any one of us. I mean, uh and it's and it's difficult then, even when we're filled up with the Spirit, but I mean, he get, he supplies us what we need. He gives us the grace we need and the power we need to go through suffering and difficult circumstances, right? How could, how could Stephen look up to heaven while he's being stoned and his face just look like it looked in the book of Acts? The power of God, the Holy Spirit filling him, right? Suffering in that way. And so, so I really think we need God to ask God to fill us, empower us as we go through our lives so that we can, we can see that, you know what, Greg, you came, uh, you came to faith in Jesus by faith. <laughs> You're trusting in Jesus and who he said he was. Can you not trust me for what's going on in your life? May God help us. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word that was given to Job. We thank you that you put it down on paper for us. And um, Lord, some of us um, may need the humbling. Some of us, uh, you know, we may have be uh, thinking that we could run things better than you if we were running our lives right now, which is really kind of what Job was saying in some previous chapters. But God, help us to give us the um, the gift of humility to see that you have a bigger plan, that you are in charge, and you are God Almighty who has created the heavens and the earth and made all these incredible creatures. And so, Laura, we, we want to say today, we want to make a declaration that we trust you. We trust you with everything that's going on in our lives. We want to trust you as we step out to obey when you show us the next step to take. Lord, give us the courage to do that. And Lord, just if anyone here is struggling because of just the personal trials right now, Lord, just I pray that you would boost their confidence in you, boost their trust level, help them to see and trust and know that even though they can't understand that they trust you. Lord, we need your grace and we need your power to do this. And may you be glorified as we do that. May others see that response and you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.